Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Hey, good morning and welcome to Lake Forest Church. We are so glad you've joined us this morning. We're Mark and Denise Tornberg, and we have the honor of serving as elders for Lake Forest Church and specifically for the, Lake, uh, the Huntersville tribe. Let me tell you, this is our first Sunday back in the worship center since uh, early March. And singing those songs, I, I miss you all so much and cannot wait till we can raise a hallelujah together uh, here soon. Absolutely. It's um, it's been great to worship with y'all online. We have enjoyed that. Um, it's especially helped us to feel like we're connected by just interacting um, on Facebook with some of you, just interacting in the comment section. That's been really fun. And, um, and lots of spiritual wisdom shared on that uh, Facebook feed and lots of really helpful tips like great snacks to try while you're watching TV, and um, even a little wagering and gambling about how long Mike Moses might be able to stay seated in the blue chair over here. So just lots of fun things happening there. But we do want to take a few minutes to tell you about some things that are going on at Lake Forest beyond Sunday morning. So first off, uh, one of the privileges that we have as elders and the prayer team and leaders at Lake Forest is to be able to pray for each of you and for the people that you care about who are going through challenges. And so we do want to encourage you to take advantage. There's, there should be uh, on the screen uh, the email that you can send your prayer request to. And we take those really seriously and want to be able to uh, take part in that with you. Absolutely. And we also just are so grateful, uh, Lake Force family, for your continued faithfulness with tithes and offerings. We know that for many of us, this is just a, um, a time of high anxiety, especially around finances. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. Um, your generosity allows Lake Forest to continue its mission of just loving people as they um, discover and live out their role in God's story. So thank you. And there's a lot of ways that have been going on throughout the last couple of months that continue to do that. We're really grateful for how the staff and ministry teams have been able to continue to use the technology to uh, connect people and to uh, disciple people over the last couple of months. So things like the Oasis Bible Studies for Women, uh, the weekly uh, Zoom Hangouts for the Remix Kids, the, even just the things like with, with what happened yesterday for Catropolis. Uh, We're so really grateful for those things. Two new things that are coming up in the next uh, few weeks that we want to highlight for you. One is going to be uh, Welcome 101 and Discovering Baptism. Welcome 101 is a great next step for those who want to learn more about Lake Forest, our mission, our passions and, and our beliefs and really look for ways to connect with uh, Lake Forest. So we'd encourage you to, to look at that and sign up there. And then discovering baptism, baptism is for those that want to take a next step, uh, learn more about how our beliefs around baptism and how that applies for your family. So I'd encourage you to take a look at both of those. And Mark and I have the privilege of leading, along with a team of people, uh, the Lake Forest Church Marriage Ministry Team. And we are super excited about an event coming up this week. Wednesday night at 8.30, put the kids to bed if you got them, and just join us online. Uh, many of you have gone through the Sacred Marriage Bible Studies with us, small group studies. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the Sacred Marriage book, Gary Thomas is the author. He is a best-selling author um, nationally and a, a leader in all, um, in just the whole thoughts around marriage and family. 
um, just an excellent leader, and we are privileged that he is joining us um, on our Facebook feed this coming Wednesday again at 8.30. All you have to do to join in on that is to just find our Lake Forest Church Marriage Ministry, um, ask to join the group, and hop online and watch with us. It really is a privilege to have him join us, and we'll be able to do some interacting. I think he'll offer a time of question and answer, so be sure and join us for that or invite some friends to join with you. Great. Something we're really looking forward to. Well, we're going to transition now to uh, Mike Moses, and he's going to uh, continue the sermon series that we've been doing, God Within Us, about the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this week we're going to uh, focus on joy. encourage you, I think uh, maybe it was mentioned earlier too, but to stick around at the end of the service, there's going to be a really special video that the worship team and some of our ministry partners have put together uh, to uh, um, really uh, encourage and, and just have some fun together. Um, but if you would, please join us in prayer now. Our loving God, you teach us in the book of James that we can take joy in difficult circumstances that require perseverance. To me, that sounds like right now, to so many of us, as we try to navigate the realities of COVID-19 has brought on us globally, locally, as a church, and as families and individuals. Holy Spirit, please speak through Mike to encourage and strengthen us to find your joy in these and other trials that we face in life's journey. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mark and Denise. It's been a joy serving with each of you as elders leading our church. We're an elder-led church. We believe the New Testament teaches that the Holy Spirit leads the church through the plurality of elder leadership, not the singularity of a pastor or any one person. It's great to have them. Uh, good morning, friends. I need to get something off my chest first. Uh, I want to make sure everyone worshiping with us hears this clearly today. God loves you. God is wild about you. God cherishes you. I just want to be sure you know that and you hear that as we talk about God's word today. The Hebrew prophet Zechariah saw a vision of God singing love over you. Like a mom or a dad to an agitated child. I've been experiencing agitation. Perhaps you have as well. I want you to know he's singing his love over you right now. Christians luxuriate in God's love for you all day, every day. For those of you who aren't a Christian or you don't know, you're like, I don't know, maybe I used to be, I'm not really sure. Come make your home in the house of God's love. Uh, Justin Bieber's song, let me love you, let me love you. That's what God is singing over you. Let God love you. Make yourself at home in God's love by following Jesus with us. My name is Mike Moses. I happen to be lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville here. We're the part of the Lake Forest family of churches, and it's great to see you live here on Sunday morning. It's 1020 a.m., at least in this room. Good to see you. Um, I'm, I'm here, and I got my stuff. I change it out a little bit every week. Good to be with you. Uh, this is a picture of I was in... Kenya, in the deserts of Kenya, East Africa, uh, in 1985, that's when I experienced my call to ministry. And this is a rock. It's from the Isle of Patmos, where John, the apostle, uh, received his visions, and he wrote the book of Revelation. And I got this rock there. And a couple of books I'll refer to later in the Q&A after the message and the really fun video by our folks. Hey, uh, we're going to 
uh, dig into the Bible for nourishment. So I've got my cup here from Egypt, my coffee cup and some coffee in it from Seattle from a friend. Um, I can't wait to tell you more about our partnership for the spread of the good news of Jesus in the Middle East. We'll bring that to you in June. But hey, let's take a sip of whatever you're drinking as we start to look for nourishment in God's word. One, two, three. We're halfway through our series, God Within Us, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, have you memorized the fruit of the Spirit yet? I wonder. Well, let's recite them. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 22. Let's all read this aloud together. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Today, we're going to learn from Jesus how to keep in step with the Spirit and bear His fruit of joy in our life. But wait, when I heard, uh, when I told our staff that I was preaching on joy this Sunday, uh, one of them asked me, well, Mike, among among the things we really read, need right now, like peace, we need that, patience, self-control, is joy really all that high on the list? Isn't that like an extra over and above thing of what we need? It, or is it even impossible at this point in time? And it made me stop and think. And then I wondered, does talking about joy in a stressful time set most of us up for certain failure and therefore perhaps spiritual depression or even Shame if this is not our lived experience. And so I want to start with that question because in case you haven't heard, <laughs> there's an insidious infection going around. It's invisible. You can't tell by looking at people who has it. And what I'm talking about is the drastic uptick in mental illness, depression, anxiety, even suicidal thoughts right now in our country, in our world, and in your zip code. It's due to the uncertainty of the other infection, the pandemic. And, and I'm afraid that a sermon on joy today could be mistaken as either condemnation of those who are struggling mentally. And that would be a miscarriage of the delivery of Scripture if that happened. Or I'm afraid that it could be taken as further evidence to you who might be struggling emotionally right now. It, you might take it as false evidence that somehow you have a spiritual problem because you're struggling emotionally or spiritually. That's not the case. And so I want to address this as we begin. Uh, an article in the Charlotte Observer, I, I like to keep up with going, what's going on in our town, our city, our county. And so I read the Charlotte Observer and I learned this. Mental health hotlines report a 40% increase in call volume right now. Four in ten Americans say that stress related to the pandemic has had a negative impact on their mental health. During this pandemic, listen to this, many people who've never experienced a mental disorder are beginning to feel some of the symptoms, same, some of the same symptoms as people with serious mental illness, such as short fuses, inability to get out of the bed in the morning, or thoughts of general despair or even self-harm. And so the statistics, friends are that many of you worshiping right now or certainly someone you know in your circle if you know more than two people, okay? <laughs> Somebody that you know and love is struggling with their mental health right this minute. And if that's you, 
um, I want you to know that mental illness feels on the inside like it's your new forever reality that I'll never get better. I'll never heal. I'll never get fixed. That's what it feels like. And so it tempts you to give up. But I assure you, that feeling, that thought is inaccurate. It's not the truth. I know this for a fact. You see, I've witnessed scores of people throughout my life descend, sometimes almost overnight, into depression, into clinical anxiety, into thoughts of self-harm. And I've witnessed scores of those same friends of mine slowly but surely heal, be able to see the blue sky again at first just a glimpse, and return to a life that they love living. And some of you, that, that is your experience, and you love your life now. And so the good news I want to be sure you hear is that challenging mental health symptoms, which are very common right this minute, are completely treatable. And so if this is you, you may not have confided your struggle. With anyone yet. And so I want to tell you, healing starts with something simple that's biblical. It, but it's a huge step. If you're struggling with your mental health, the first step is to confide in someone and ask for help. You see, this is biblical. Half of the book of Proverbs is made up of this one point. Proverbs 15, 22. This is about everything in life. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there's no guidance, a people falls. Where there's no personal guidance, friend, in your struggle, we fall down. But with, in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. I want safety for you, and God does. Proverbs 24, 6, by wise guidance, you can wage war on whatever you face. And in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. This is like the, the baseline of biblical wisdom when you don't know what to do yourself. And so telling someone, seeking help outside of yourself, keep, keep seeking help and counsel until you get better. God mediates most of his healing through the wisdom, guidance, and empathy of others, including those who can prescribe the right medicine for the moment. If the chemistry in your brain has gotten stuck and it needs a kick, that, that's just physical healing. You and I cannot heal our way out of mental and emotional struggle solo. And so God's word says for success, for, for victory, for safety, it's with a number of people, it's with counselors. And so one more time, I'm going to ask everybody sitting in your fuzzy slippers or whatever, however you're dressed today, uh, I want you to screenshot this next slide so that you're equipped in case a person confides in you. And I really mean this. Screenshot this. Unless you only know two people in this world, you know somebody's struggling or it's you. There's the National Association of Mental uh, Illness Helpline. There's a crisis text line. You can just text. Like if, if somebody's not comfortable talking to somebody, you can text. That's really private. Uh, like if you're worried somebody in your home might overhear you, just do the texting. Uh, and you can reach out to anyone here at our church. Please screenshot this. Did I say that yet? Please screenshot this. Okay, now, for those of you who are, are struggling, I want to hit this dead on one more moment. How does God view you when you're struggling mentally or emotionally? 
It's an important question because a lot of us are. Isaiah 42, 3. A bruised reed God will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he'll bring forth justice. God recognizes when you are bruised, when you're a candle wick in danger of flickering out, and he doesn't scoff at you. He doesn't think that it's weakness the way that systems and the thought of this world does. He is faithful to you, and he's working for a just right outcome for you. And so lean into a trusted counselor, which is how God wants to bring his healing for you. In Isaiah 40, 11, God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, carries them close to his heart. And so, friend, if this is you, your psyche is bruised right now, emotionally, perhaps chemically. Let yourself be a lamb of the flock. <laughs> Let God love you. <laughs> to quote Justin Bieber a second time in a Christian sermon today. <laughs> and let him take care of you through others' wise counsel and care and through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How do you and I connect with the Holy Spirit when we feel mentally challenged or emotionally challenged? You tell somebody about your struggles. You be biblical. You seek a multitude of counselors, and the Holy Spirit will heal you slowly through their care as you trust them, the same way you would if you have a physical illness. We can't see it, but this is brain chemistry. It's physical. You would never keep a physical illness, a broken arm to yourself, and be like, man, I should be able to heal myself up. It's the same with mental and emotional challenges. So be biblical. Trust somebody and reach out. Now, let me transition for a moment. I felt like that was very important for us to address today live with you. The rest of today, we're going to look at the Gospel of John, and these are all Jesus' words now, okay? His farewell words to his disciples, and it's John 16. And in this chapter, Jesus promises the disciples perpetual joy. What? Perpetual joy even when life is filled with suffering and trouble. If you would open your Bible with me to John 16, uh, starting with verse 14. Uh, we've been learning in this series about the Holy Spirit being the great and, and, and best gift of Jesus before he, as he ascended to heaven. And we're looking at what the Holy Spirit has done for us. Please catch up in this series if this is your first one. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go be the Father, but I'm sending somebody greater. It's he said, it's better for you that I go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the helper. And the greatness of the Holy Spirit is in part he reminds us what Jesus has said and done. Look at verse 14 of John 16. We'll start here. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will glorify me for the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, check this out for a second. This is a statement about the Trinity without using the word Trinity. And so please get over any sophomoric complaint of like, man, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, man. <laughs> this is one of many examples where the deep things of God are being spoken over us. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ glorifies God the Father. And in all ways, the reality of God's character is being ushered into our daily lives by the Holy Spirit bearing God's fruit in us. Jesus is revealing deep things of God, and all the while, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. 
The focus of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says here, is Jesus himself. And his agenda is to make that my focus, your focus. And by doing so, we can gain perpetual joy. You're going to really think it's great how Jesus focuses on joy in this teaching. Verse 16, Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you'll see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. He's promising them, no matter what comes their way, there's getting ready to be a pause here. We talked about that at Easter. But Jesus is going to have victory. Irrespective of the suffering Jesus is about to endure in his torture leading to the cross to atone for our sins and for the evil and suffering in this world. Irrespective of the coming suffering of the disciples, which will be for the rest of their lives. And and you and I will suffer in this fallen world. But Jesus says, so don't trust in situations, trust in me. You will see me, I will always be present with you. It's as if to say, circumstances define happiness, but not joy. See, happiness is a hug or new car smell. Don't you love that? But that new car smell (laughs) wears off after a couple of weeks. Uh, Or if you keep your golf shoes in your car like me after two days. But joy, and, and that's just circumstantial, joy is a deep abiding mirth, even humor, that all will be well. Why? The presence of the divine, resurrected, ruling, victorious, returning Jesus Christ defines us and roots us in joy. The overcoming Christ defines your past, present, and future if you've identified with him through putting your faith in Jesus and in baptism. Baptism. Trusting in the sovereignty and the goodness of God means you can be unhappy about your current circumstance, yet at the same time, joyful, confident, even filled with mirth about the end of all things, including your own self. How often do we let the drudgery instead of this life define us, our busyness or our grief, our our shame, our despair, our problems? We let these things define us instead of being defined by the overcoming victory of Jesus Christ, which is a fact to base your life on. And and I want to say something plainly. Happiness may be all but impossible for some of us during this pandemic. That's no sin. That's no weakness of yours. Like, that's reality. Dude, let's be real. It's hard to be happy for many people right now. But joy, even so, is possible even when you're unhappy. When Jesus Christ defines everything about you, when you fully identify with him. Well, Jesus says this, and the disciples still aren't sure what he's getting at, and so they start mumbling to one another. Uh, Like you might be right now. What's Pastor Mike talking about? Look at verse 17. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean? In a little while, you'll see me no more. And then after a little while, you'll see me. And I'm going to the Father. And they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said, hey, are y'all mumbling about me, asking what I meant? Verse 20, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, 
she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again. You will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. No one will take away your joy. What a powerful statement that is. This kind of joy, friends, changes our perspective on the past and the present while giving us the fortitude and the influence we need for the future. This joy has Jesus as the object of its hope, not merely hoping for happiness. And so I just want to ask you clearly, uh, uh, as I am a doctor, generally the unhelpful type if there's a medical emergency, but I'm an existential doctor, and so I'm going to ask you an existential question. Is Jesus Christ the primary overwhelming object of your hope? If so, then you can have the fruit of the Holy Spirit joy even when you're unhappy. If not, I I don't know how you have perpetual joy I'd be interested in hearing from any of you in how you find joy if Jesus Christ is not the the, the bedrock of your life. Charles Spurgeon, he's a well-known, maybe not to you, but to people like me, uh, a great preacher from the 1800s. When talking about this joy, he said this well, quote, The grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. I bet you know someone who's beautiful with the fruit of the Holy Spirit of joy. And they influence you that way. That's who I want to be. Now, notice Jesus' word picture here. Look back over the verses yourself. He uses a word picture of a woman giving birth. He's saying joy is not absence of pain, sorrow, and suffering. There's a lot of pain. There's some sorrow and suffering involved in giving birth, I'm told. (laughs) Uh, Pandemic update from the Moses family. Angie and I, uh, one of the ways I'm tending to my own mental health, we go on a weekly hike right now. We just started a couple weeks ago uh, for our mental and emotional health. Yesterday we picked a trail. I, I just like Google trails near me. And then I look about an hour out, somewhere that involves an incline, some kind of a mountain of some sort. Yesterday, we picked a trail in the Uwaris National Forest, about an hour's drive northeast. And we hiked up this steep trail to a summit. And my shirt was soaked with sweat. It uh, was kind of gross and sticky. Here's a picture of the trailhead. It was jumping off rock trail. And on our way back down, uh, we encountered a fit-looking younger man actually running up this trail. I mean, this is a steep trail. Dude was running. And we stepped aside for physical distancing. And I was like, hey, man. And he said, thank you. And I said, hey, man, enjoy. And, and, and then I thought, wait a minute. There's no enjoying running up the side of a mountain like this guy's doing. And Angie and I talked that over for just a moment. And we agreed. That man is a fool if there's no joy in in running up a mountain, but probably he finds great satisfaction in this arduous task and some joy in that. And and so, running up a mountain. An example of how joy coexists with suffering, sorrow, or hardship always in this world, they're not mutually exclusive. Now, for the the disciples' immediate context, that was going to mean watching Jesus 
being crucified and tortured, and then undergoing their own persecution. I've lived long enough, I've counseled enough people, precious people, to know that some of the most painful things in life can show us the deep end of God's joy. You've probably heard someone say, I would never go through that again, but I wouldn't trade the end result for anything. Sometimes the path of sorrow or the path of sweat is the trail that leads to the fruit of the spirit of joy. Uh, I want to be sure you see in the text here something that's very clear in Jesus' words. Jesus is rooting joy, not in mere sentimentality. He's not rooting joy in a philosophical approach to life. Jesus roots joy in the spirit in the fact that his disciples see him now and they will see him again. Therefore, our highest joy today can be grounded in the promise of eternal joy and life with Christ. Whether you are depressed or anxious, if you have thoughts of self-harm, or or, or if you're the rest of the population with general anxiety right now, like me, friend, the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the past, and his future return to make all things new, this is a completed hope of the past that gives us an eternal hope for the future. And Jesus says in verse 22, you might have sorrow now, but there's a lasting joy that cannot be stolen. I give you joy. Verse 23, Jesus continues, and that day you'll no longer ask me anything. What day is he talking about? I think every day because there's an immediate application for them and for us. With the Holy Spirit present, we are guaranteed that every day we have everything we need from him for joy. And he guarantees it by continuing, John 16, 23. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Why? And your joy will be full. The perpetual presence of joy in our life comes from the fact that the Holy Spirit is making the reality of Jesus Christ known to us daily. As we keep in step with the Holy Spirit, he glorifies Jesus. He puts a magnifying glass over Jesus in our life, in our spirit, and we have joy. Because the joy that Jesus gives is inseparable from you. Remember in verse 22, he said, my joy can't be taken away. And it's perpetual in you through the Holy Spirit. This is joy that I personally experience in quite a large measure, if I'm honest, as a fruit of the Holy Spirit with regularity, not perfectly. So I am a witness <laughs> that it's possible to have joy in the Spirit and for it to be perpetual, no matter circumstances. Now, to finish, I'm going to ask your permission for a couple of minutes of some moderate to heavy theology. Can you go there with me before we get to our super cool (laughs) dance video (laughs) that a lot of you made? There have been some people who tell me, Mike, I can't really figure you out. I know some churches, but like Lake Forest Church, like it's a church that's biblical, it's joyful, it's super realistic looking suffering in the eyes. And you value all of life, not just religious stuff, but there's kind of this odd vibe about Lake Forest, and I can't quite figure it out. 
It's time for me to come out of the closet to you, theologically speaking. As your pastor, I am a Christian hedonist. And I've been attempting to inject you with this vaccine that is the cure for a lack of joy for 22 years now. (laughs) Why? Because God's word in the Bible commands us, look at Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself. What? That's God's command. Delight. God not only cares about delight and joy, God commands it, friends. Not happiness, but a deep well of mirthful joy. And God locates the GPS coordinates of the source of joy and delight. Psalm 37, 4 again. Delight yourself in the Lord. I agree with John Piper and that I think all of Scripture leads us to a slight edit of the most famous statement of doctrine from the Protestant Reformation in the 15, 1600s. This doctrine is subscribed to by our church and our denomination. It's this. This is John uh, Piper's edit. The chief end of humankind is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Right after college, I converted to Christian hedonism, and I've never looked back. It makes me confusing to some of my pastor colleagues and people who visit this church. I came to see that it's unbiblical and arrogant to worship God for any reason of ought or should, any reason other than pleasure that we find in God. That's the reason to worship God. The the Christian philosopher Blaise Pascal makes this explicit. There once was in humankind a true joy of which now remain to him only the mark and empty trace, which he in vain tries to fill from all his surroundings, seeking from things absent the help he does not obtain in things present. But these are all inadequate because the infinite abyss can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object. That is to say, only by God himself. And so I want to assure you of something. Your personal persistent yearning for happiness is not to be suppressed. It's to be fulfilled and enlarged on God. Worship is basically adoration. That's how the Bible describes it. And we only adore what delights us. There's no such thing as sad adoration or unhappy praise. (laughs) In fact, we have a name for people who praise something when they don't also delight in it. We call that a hypocrite. As C.S. Lewis says, God in the book of Psalms is the all-satisfying object. His people adore God, Psalm 43, 4, for the exceeding joy they find in him. God is the source of complete and unending pleasure. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand there are pleasures forever. That's a short story of how I became a Christian hedonist. Hedonist, And I've been brooding over this for decades. And I believe it honors God. Uh, When we get to the question and answer, if you stick around after the service, I'll show you the book. Uh, that really where I've learned these things and the five principles of Christian hedonism from God's word. Christian hedonism, as I use the term, does not mean God becomes a means to merely get worldly or whatever pleasures. As John Piper says, the pleasure Christian hedonism seeks is the pleasure which God is in himself. God is the end of our search, not the means to some further end. 
And I pray for you to find joy as you set your human aspiration of joy and pleasure and delight on God himself. Now, instead of at the end of this message on joy of me praying for you, I want to end by making space for you to talk to God. That's what prayer is. Like, just kind of give each other some space if you're in a room with someone else to talk to God about your life, about joy, and tell God you want the life of a Christian hedonist if you do. And and while you talk to God, we're going to play over you Beethoven's Ode to Joy. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee for just a moment. It was originally written in the summer of 1785 as a triumph of humanity over war and desperation in Beethoven's day. Many scholars consider Ode to Joy, Symphony No. 9, to be Beethoven's finest work. Then later in 1905, the lyrics were turned into a Christian hymn and recently into a modern worship song. So would you let Beethoven's Ode to Joy, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, wash over you for a moment, and then when you're invited, stand and let's sing these words out, setting our delight on God himself.